I am Plot on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Nathaniel G. Moore joins me now. He has just published a new collection of work, Honorarium Essays, 2001 to 2021. It is a collection of his engaging, incisive, often funny, thought-provoking writing these past 20 years. They're reviews of books. They're pieces commissioned by sundry publications across the country. They're profiles, and there are interviews as well. Next to each piece is a dollar amount. That's the payment that he received for each piece. There are some in this book that say zero dollars. Those were either uh, ones written for this book or appeared uh, with no fee collected. That in uh, of itself is a marvelous view onto uh, the life of a freelance writer in Canada. The fees paid may not have been much at times. Our author paid in books, as it were. I've been uh, dealing with Nathaniel for a number of years now. In fact, I asked him in this interview that we taped earlier this week when it was that he first started pitching books to me for the show. It's delightful to have someone on now who uh, I've uh, always enjoyed working with, whose own writing often sparkles off the page, and who is a tireless promoter of Canadian authors and books. I'll ask Mr. Moore about professional wrestling, as it's the subject of a few pieces here. I ask him about his experience in the world of Canadian books, as he's seen it uh, up close, first in Ontario, then time spent out here on the West Coast, and now in Atlantic Canada, in Fredericton, where he joined me from. In fact, uh, the time living uh, on Protection Island outside of Nanaimo was a subject of a book written by his wife, the author uh, Amber McMillan, called The Woods, which uh, she appeared on this show with in 2016. Visit morehype.com for more. This new book is uh, published by uh, Palimpsest Press. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Nathaniel Moore. Mr. Moore, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. So I was I was trying to figure out, Nathaniel, um, when we first started interacting with one another. Was it while you were working at Harbor? Yeah, yeah, it would have been five or six years ago, probably uh, when I was on the on the west coast. Yeah, definitely, definitely Harbor, Nightwood, and Douglas and McIntyre that that time period. And then you moved so 2015 out 2015 or so. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so so you moved out to, to Fredericton. How long after that? Uh, we moved. Fredericton in the summer of late summer of 2017. I see. Yeah. So, so this is actually the first time that we've actually talked to one another. We, we've emailed it's one true. another. It's true. It's true. We've yeah. emailed uh, thousands of times. Right. <laughs> so yeah. This is the first time we've spoken on the phone. Yeah. So, the, the, this is a, a marvelous time too to look back at your writing uh, through this collection honorarium. Um, you're, you're someone who um, I've come to admire over the years because you're a tireless champion of books and authors. Um, Thank you. How, how did this collection come about? Um, it came about uh, when I sort of was looking at. Uh, sorry, uh, it came about when I was looking at um, the state of reviews in in Canadian publishing mm-hmm. uh, and and how things were changing a lot, and it seems like a lot of content now is. Um, is geared towards, uh, I guess, sort of like objective promotion rather than critical analysis of, of, of literature. There's just fewer and fewer spots for, for that kind of uh, critiquing. And, and uh, spaces like the Globe and Mail and Toronto Star uh, are, are continually 
having to, and the Vancouver Sun are continually mm-hmm. having to shrink their pages because of advertising purposes. And and I, I just looked back at a, a lot of the archival stuff that I'd done, and I, I, I started talking with Jim Johnstone at Palimpsest, put it, putting that together. I figured I, I, I needed a nice up-and-coming up, up uh, uh, press that uh, that would, would be interested in something like this. And Jim and I had worked together for a long time. And I sent him, you know, a, a sort of smattering of, of different different pieces from from the past and uh and we looked at it and, and came up with this idea that it'd be kind of funny as a, as a sub theme, a textual theme in the book to actually put the price or uh or the fee rather of, yeah. of what I made per um per piece and uh when it says zero it means that it I was I did it for free or it's a brand new piece of writing. Mm. Uh, but 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 there was there was a lot of fun to just kinda of go back and see uh, these older pieces and and see how 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 it's evolved, how my writing has evolved, and uh, I, I, was, I was very proud to look back and see uh, just see what uh, what I had done and and um, and it is it's funny I sent I sent an early draft of it to a, an editor in Toronto uh, at, the, at a newspaper and and they were like this is such a nostalgic uh, ride it, like this, yeah. this 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 Toronto and this Vancouver or this whatever doesn't exist anymore you know it's a yeah. totally different time period uh so i think it's, it's interesting to look back and and then also look forward because there's a lot of new pieces in it um that uh, that i that i wrote um very recently that just to, that are um that are i think fascinating looks at at publishing mm-hmm. uh and for whatever reason they weren't picked up by by journals or magazines or things like that but that's what's sort of fun about putting them together. It's kind of like uh, when you re-release an album and you add some extra new tracks that yeah. people can can appreciate. So it was a, it was a lot of fun um, putting it together. It's a, a bit uh, a bit exhausting, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm I'm pretty proud of it. I, I think it's it's a I think it'll be a fun resource tool for uh, publishing historians. Uh, as Margaret Costago said at the launch that we had. Uh, we don't have a history like our, mm. our very recent history in Canadian publishing as a community. We're just so busy doing it that there's not a lot of uh, analysis of what, what what has been going on. You know? Yeah. So, so there, there, there are there are uh, fun pieces, um, mm, yeah. pieces as I told you just before we started that made me laugh out loud. There, there are pieces yeah. that break your heart, um, which I'll, I'll talk to you in just a sec about. Um, but it, it is a marvelous. Uh, time capsule, if you will, of, of um, publishing and, and, and this business, if, if you will, um, really across the country. Um, you mentioned the amounts um, that you were paid for each piece, mm-hmm. and, and you listed those. Um, I guess it is true that very few people in Canadian publishing get rich, right? Yeah, as far as I know. I mean, I don't I don't know anyone who's Who's rich? <laughs> Who <Yeah. works? laughs> I mean, rich from working in publishing. Right, right. Um, I guess, do people around you, family members say, do they ask why you still are in the business, if you will? Um, well, personally, my, my family, I'm not sure. Like, I, I think they understand to a degree, but um, I think uh, there's this really ongoing... Uh, it's just it, the 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 publishing industry is so hard to explain to people that I don't think um, 
I don't know. I don't even think. <laughs> I don't know. If, oh, sorry. I, I guess it's, uh, it's hard to explain to people something that you do all the time that seems so natural. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it seems like I, at this, like I'm almost 50, so I'm not going to be like explaining to my mom and dad like how I make money if they don't understand, and then that's fine. But uh, uh, I think that, um, yeah, there's always concern. I mean, my brother works on Bay Street in Toronto. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, he's like, uh, I don't know how you're ever going to afford to own a house and and this kind of stuff. But I think that's just, it's the creative class versus the, uh, you know, math class. Everybody people. else, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the people, I call them the, and I don't mean to be disparaging. No, no. Just, yeah. I call them the people, the Home Depot on the weekend, nine to fivers who maybe <laughs> buy like two books a year by accident. And But that's fine. And I mean... Like, we are nerds. We are book nerds. And, and it's no different from people who like video games or cosplay. It's like, how do you make money playing video games all day? Yeah. How do you make money going to cosplay conventions? Well, they do, and that's why they do it. They do it because they like it, and that's why I do it. I don't, I don't want to be a, you know, a dental hygienist or a construction worker. And no one wants me to be a construction worker. I don't want to build your house, and you wouldn't want me to build your house. <laughs> it would be terrible. <laughs> Yeah, you fell off a ladder at one point too, at, didn't you? So. Yeah. you? You fell off a ladder too at one point. Oh yes, well. yes, I did. See, yeah. exactly like that. Uh, you know, when we were, my wife and I lived on Protection Island, and uh, you know, my my wife wrote actually a whole book about it called The Woods, uh -huh. as you know. Yeah. And um, and uh, yeah, I was uh, trying to make ends meet and um, working, you know, just cleaning people's gutters uh, on a on an island in BC and. I, yeah, I totally fell off and broke my scapula and some internal bleeding, and that wasn't good for business. So, uh, thankfully, with writing and using Microsoft Word, I'm not uh, breaking any bones. <laughs> uh, it's pretty, <laughs> you know, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah, as straightforward as it can be. So, as I mentioned a moment ago, it, it is a, a, a bit of a look back at the last 20 years. Yeah. How do you think, Nathaniel, the the, the industry has changed? Um, if you are someone who is, say, a woman, a person of color, queer or trans or, or, or disabled, I mean, is it better today for, for people like that? I hope so. Uh, I mean, I think, I think that there's a, a real focus on, or it looks like a defocus on those, the straight white man, I'm hoping. I mean, I, I'm kind of proud that if you look at the table of contents, I, I would say it's like 80% women. Mm -hmm. Um in the book um but i do think it's been that was my goal though all along was to just because i was a, a straight white man and i hung out with straight white men i didn't want to promote them i mean uh, as much and um but i do think that i mean i i'm kind of happy that, that the, the prize situation has changed and uh, every time i look at prize lists now there's fewer and fewer white men and i think that's important i think it's it has to change, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that's changed. Um, uh, the other thing that's changed is that there's far more opportunities to get a book deal. I mean, it's there. Are, I would say since 2000, there's probably 30 more new publishers, mm -hmm. maybe more, um, and, and all those online magazines. So many more festivals. There, there's a lot more opportunity, I think, and hopefully. Um, uh, and because of the way things are going in the, in the world socially, with uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, 
Me Too and, and, and these sorts of social initiatives and, and awareness, I think that people in our community are, are, are becoming more sensitive to uh, being inclusive and, and to stop the, the, the usual pattern, which was the, the patriarchy just doing whatever it wanted to do. Uh, I don't think it would be hard to go on YouTube and, 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 and look up old interviews and, and just see all the old white men uh, running the show um, in interviews and in the media and stuff like that. I, I don't think that that would be very hard to, to see that how that's changed. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that to, you know that we can continue to focus on on everyone's creativity and uh, not just the you know the typical. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so if if that's the case that that it has gotten better in terms of representation, do you think uh, it'll get better in terms of uh, making publishing, a, a feasible industry in which one can make a living at it? That's an interesting question. I mean, I always I always think, like, why is Scott Griffin the only person who's, the only millionaire in Canada who's like, you know, where's Scott Griffin's neighbor? You know, mm. why can't he, you know, uh, bail out a couple of indie bookstores or help out with the distribution fees for seven presses in Canada or, or take out a whole bunch of advertising in the literary journals and things like that. Like, why it's been 20 years since yeah. Scott Griffin bought an Nancy and created the Griffin Poetry Prize for Excellence. Why is he the only one? Why is he the anomaly? Well, there's thousands of millionaires in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that I just, I, I think that it's about selling more books. It's about making the public aware of, of that there's more books out there than just Margaret Atwood and Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. I remember when I worked at Indigo once, uh, Leonard Cohen had a new poetry book out about 10 or 15 years ago, and some guy was with his wife and said, oh, they're publishing poetry again. Not Leonard Cohen's poetry again. <laughs> Not Leonard Cohen's poetry again. Poetry. Poetry's back, because Leonard Cohen has a new book out. So there's a lot of like work to be done, and I think that we're doing the best that we can, but we're all very autonomous. We're all separated in, 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 in these different granting bodies and fundings, and we're all working on our own little, uh, in our own little cubicles. We come out and we look around, and it's like, oh, there's Book Hub doing something. Oh, oh, there's Palimpsest. Okay, oh, Coach House. Yep, cool. Uh, oh, Andrew, hey, how's it going? But then it's, but we're back to our little cubbies. Mm. So I think, I think it'd be very interesting to see how we could uh, work together and figure out how to bring more books and, and more money and it's just no one wants to talk about money, but I, yeah. I talk about money. I think it's important. Yeah. Um, I think this this is an industry. This is an industry that gets like thirty something million dollars a year from the Canada Council. And uh, I just I, I just think that, that we need more heroes uh, who can, you know, uh, put up money to for for uh, initiatives and um, getting books. Distributed all over the country, books in classrooms, books in libraries, making everything even even keel. Because you know, not everyone's book is in the downtown Toronto Public Library, the downtown Vancouver Public Library. Uh, it's a it's a very large country, and it's a very difficult uh, country to to show, to represent a um, a balance 
um, when I was in BC all the time, all the awards were going to people in Ontario, Ontario mm-hmm. publishers. Mm-hmm. And I was from Ontario, so I was like, oh, yeah, that is right. Toronto is the center of the universe. I'm from Toronto, and, and I know it, it is a center of the universe for publishing. Um, and that's, that's just what it is. But it doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't yeah. mean that Toronto's publishing the best writing. Uh, so I think I, I think it's just we have to really it, it's hard because you can't slow down and just figure out a cure sure because we're continually working and so uh, but I'm I'm glad to see these these adjustments being made along the way but there's there's a lot more work to be done yeah. so some of the pieces in um, honorarium are uh, profiles some are reviews uh, in, in terms of of the reviews uh, themselves. Um, how have your own reading habits changed as a result of, say, reading critically? Well, that's a, that's a good question too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's kind of like when if you're if you're judging a contest or reading, it's hard to it's hard to just like I, I read something and I, and I need to be I need to be there right away. I need to like that opening page has to get me. Uh, so I, I look for. I look to be entertained right away, and so it does affect how I, I read for pleasure or I seek out books. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, sometimes a, a book will get a lot of hype, or get a lot of. I'll read an excerpt or something, or I'll hear something about it, and that will intrigue me. Um, sometimes it'll just it'll just be something. I'm, I'm in a bookstore and I, I pick it up because the cover looks cool, and I start reading it. And I'm I'm into it, but I feel like I have to really be taken out of this present tense mindset because mm-hmm. we're, we're not walking around reading all the time it's a very personal experience and uh so i need to i need to feel that i'm going to be able to do this in the long run i'm going to be able to sit here and, and read this book and enjoy it so um it makes me a, a lot more selective about reading um for pleasure which is something i don't have a lot of time to do mm-hmm. yeah i've noticed that too i mean i i, I um uh, because I have to read for this for the for the show, yeah. um, you know, you, you learn how to ration your time, and I, I guess that does take away from um, the act of just say wandering around a, a bookshelf or a bookstore yeah. and finding yeah. something that that uh, you can read, or else you just end up buying books that sit in a pile somewhere, right? Yeah, and then you feel guilty, and, and yeah. uh, you're like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to read these books. Tomorrow, I'm gonna read these yeah. How has um, your own writing changed, say? I mean, there are interviews in the book with with, with uh, writers. Some of the insights are just profound. Um, they're all fascinating. Um, do, do you enjoy these interactions that you've had with authors over the years? Yeah, and it was really fun, Like especially the piece by Heather Burrell and, the, and um, Derek McCormick. Those ones were it's so interesting to look back and see what... Uh, what they reveal. I mean, like, the, uh, like these are insights into their work that I don't know. I don't even think that a lot of the pieces exist on the internet anymore. So it's mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting to see um, how they approached fiction or poetry or whatever, and and their influences. And uh, so I, I was I, I found that um, yeah. I mean, it, it it it's just nice to talk shop, I guess, and to and then to go off and, and work on something, you, you know, you'll hear, you'll do an interview with someone and they'll say, oh, I really found this book or this piece of art um, exceptional and, mm-hmm. you know, you might seek it out and find something else. But I think 
uh, writing is such a lonely process that uh, it's nice to have people to talk to. I guess that's why I'm always trying to interview authors. I mean, part of it's my job, but it wasn't always that case. Like, it wasn't always like I was going to be able to, like, pay the rent or something mm -hmm. uh, based on doing this kind of stuff. But uh, I, I learned a lot from these authors. And, and also, you, you know, if you're, if you're interviewing someone you really respect, you do your research, and, and, and um, they appreciate that, and, and then they are, they're even more open with you about what they, um, you know, what, they're, what makes them tick as a writer. And I think you can't, can't just write by yourself in isolation without any influences, and you need to see what's going on. You need to be a part of a conversation. And whether or not, whether or not that conversation is between three people or two people or, or 20 people at a festival, it's important to interact with, with the community, and that's what I learned from people like Rob McLennan um, uh, very early on, is, is you need to be a part of a community, a cultural worker, uh, I think, if you want to be a successful author in, in, in this country. I think you can't, can't just expect people to care about your work um, and, and only be in it for yourself. You have to... You have to... Uh, talk about other people. You can't just play your favorite song at the party yeah. over and over again. Yeah. you got to play music other people like. Are you still a wrestling fan? Um, minor, minorly. I'm more nostalgically with, with some friends from the 90s and stuff. I don't follow it at all really now. But, uh, boy, what's your, what's your next question? Well, <laughs> I, I, was just found, I found it exciting to, to, to read about... Um, um, your experience with it, because as a kid, let's say before ten, um, I, I was a wrestling fan. Yeah. And yeah. and um, you know I had everything that that you know I, I bought the magazines every week. I yeah, watched too, everything. Yeah. You know I, I bought all the, the figures and things like that. And then after ten, I sort of I don't know if I outgrew it or I realized that it was not real. It became very uncool. Sure. Uh, at a different time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then um, when when I read. Um, some of the pieces where, where you reference it in the book, mm -hmm. um, I, I felt like I missed out on some of it as well. I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, it's easy to go back, I assume, on, on the YouTube and, and look up things, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but um, it, it's just a fascinating subculture that over the years has yeah. also become very mainstream, hasn't it? Yeah, well, like in the late 90s, The Rock yeah. was hosting Saturday Night Live, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it was very, very popular. But there's so, so many. Like, there's also this, so many books. Like ECW publishes. They, they have yeah. a whole wrestling um, division of, of books that sells really well, both here and but also in, in the states, really well. And they do partnerships with WWE sometimes. And but that book that I reviewed, uh, I mean, Bret Hart's book is incredible. It's an incredible read uh, from Random House Hitman. Yeah, his book that came out in 2007. But the the, the book I really like from about wrestling was Steel Chair to the Head, published by Duke University Press, and it's um, men and women, PhDs and intellectuals writing about wrestling uh, from a cultural perspective, from a feminist perspective, from, um, you know... A Latino perspective? Uh, yeah, Latino perspective, and, and also um, capitalism, mm -hmm. sociological, uh, sexual, sexual gender, and different things like that. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to... And that's an American uh, book, but it's 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 interesting to see how much um, media and cultural theory revolves around 
wrestling and pop culture, uh, in particular in the States, I find. I find in Canada, you could, it, it's just a different... In the States, it's different. There's like a lowbrow and highbrow can hang out, and it's not a big deal, but in Canada, I find it's much different, and it's like, oh, well, he wrote a poem about Britney Spears and, and referenced Sappho. I'm confused. What, what do we do? <laughs> but in, in America, it's just like, yeah, that's, that's called literature. Yeah, the, the, you reminded me, because um, I interviewed Bret Hart when the book came out, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, at the end of I think one, at the end of one of your pieces, you mentioned that that I guess Random House had paid six figures for 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 that mm-hmm. book, um, yeah. and then you remind you just you just mentioned ECW Press and 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 the success that they have with 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 their books, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of wrestling books in the United States make the Times bestseller list. Um, yeah. It is a sort of, um, I mean, it, it's remarkable in a way that publishers have, have found that the, there is a market there. Um, well, this, I think because the reputation of wrestling is that yeah. you know, all wrestling fans are idiots who can't read. Mm-hmm. But yet, here we go. It's like, <laughs> it's like a crazy amount of books that did really well and continue to do well yeah. um, year after year. So they definitely have a market. There's definitely a market for uh, for. Uh, for wrestling books. So I, I believe the longest piece in the book is, is, is one that you uh, wrote about your grandfather's cult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember reading it when it was first published and, and, and was, was quite moved by it. Um, mm-hmm. So it was fun to re Fun is not the right word, but it was interesting to reread it again in honor I got, actually got to change a typo in it because uh, Kathy Globe's eyes were not brown, mm-hmm. they were blue. And uh, I, I, I found that out from. Uh, some extra research I had done, but yeah, I love that piece. It's, uh, it was, it was uh, like twenty years of the making. Yeah. So, so when it was published, what was the reaction to it then? Um, a lot of people that were in the cult uh, got in contact with me. Um, my, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the the thing is, a lot of the people that would have been upset about it or stuff like they were they had died but um actually one of the original cult leaders who who ran things with my grandfather was still alive and i was trying to get in touch with her she was probably in her 90s mm-hmm. marjorie rogers and she was talking to me through her her daughter and they were they were pretty upset about it they didn't want to they didn't want to talk about it um my dad who i talked to recently said that he had to warn his uh part, parts of his family that it was coming out but um, yeah, I mean, it, it mostly, I, it changed my father forever. I mean, uh, people don't know what, what it's about. Uh, um, my grandfather ran a cult in uh, downtown Toronto mm-hmm. in the late 60s for three or four years, and there was a 18-year-old uh, high school student, high school senior, who was engaged to my father, and she uh, had continuing continuous problems with... Uh, her ear earaches and things like that. Mm-hmm. And instead of taking her to a doctor or to a hospital, they tried to exercise her, mm-hmm. exercise her and um, cast demons out of her. And she ended up dying, and then there was an inquest, and my my grandfather and grandmother, who were her legal guardians at the time, were found negligent, and my grandfather was uh, fired and mm-hmm. they had to move out of the rectory where they had lived since 1946, just in 67. And, uh, and it was the, 
all the attention was on my grandfather, and none, none was on my father. And then my father married my mom like two years later, and was not at all prepared to be a father and to have a family. And and uh, he struggled. And um, I didn't find out any of this until I was 21 in 1995. But, mm. uh, so that was something that was kept from me for for many years. And so it was um, it was really uh, no one in the family was talking about it, and I certainly couldn't talk to anyone about it. So. I had to do all this research and contact the Anglican Church of Canada and um, just do a lot of a lot of sleuthing to to put it all together. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I, was, I hadn't talked to my dad in a while, so, and uh, we talked recently, um, and we talked about that, and, and he's about, oh, far more open because mm-hmm. when it was coming out, he refused to talk to anyone about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy story, and it came out at the same time, like this was happening at the same time, like Rosemary's Baby, the novel, was published. It, mm. This happened when Charles Manson just got out of prison in early 67. It, the, yeah. she, she died the first week of uh, June where when Sgt. Pepper was coming out. So mm. it's a, And just, just a couple of weeks before Canada's, Centennial. So it was like this huge moment in in um, in time, and then this, and the time the Leafs last won the Stanley Cup. So it was a huge <laughs> time, um, and then that you know this little asterisk of like my dad, my dad's heart was broken, you know, uh, uh, unrepairably, yeah. <laughs> as well as the Leafs last Stanley Cup and such a Pepper coming. <laughs> so it's this was like a really epic. And for me, as a writer, my parents just never understood why I would care about this. It's like are you kidding me? It's like discovering that you're you. His father, you know, knew Truman Capote when he was writing *In Cold Blood*. Like it's, it's a crazy story that I, I couldn't resist, so I had, yeah. to, I had to write it. And then the the fascinating part as I was rereading it was was how you dealt with say, whatever attendant guilt there might have been, as you were researching it and as, as I'm sure as you were writing it, and and that was fascinating, um, in my reread of it. Um, as it appears in honorarium, mm-hmm. um, the the, um, the last piece in the book. It, it, this is one of the pieces that, that was heartbreaking. Was was um, the one that you wrote for the Star uh, mm-hmm. on your friend R. M. Vaughn. Yeah, um, you've had uh, like like a lot of people many losses over these past twenty years. When you write about um, Vaughn or or your uncle Carl, say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you work out what you need to work out through your writing. What, what does that mean for you? Uh, it means that I, I feel like I'm honoring them. I know it might sound a bit dramatic, but I feel there are people that I just wouldn't be able to just be like, oh, well, let's uh, let's move on. Yeah. I mean, I still think about Richard all the time. And, um, yeah, I just, it's just like they, they took up such a huge amount of psychic space that I couldn't just, uh, you know, uh, get up and continue on. Like I had to write about it and dwell on it, and that's what I do. I mean, that's what I, I just, I get obsessed, and my wife always is like, you know, why do you maybe do something else, <laughs> think about something else. Mm-hmm. But that's that's just my format. I get, I'm like a method actor. I, I get really into it, and, uh, and sometimes it, it goes really dark, and sometimes it gets really emotional. And but that's, I mean, like an actor or like a, a a trained musician or whatever, you're, you go and you you stop living your life and you go use that other part of your brain. 
uh, and so that's what I do. But um, yeah, I love I love Richard. I still love him, and I love my uncle Carl, and, and love my father. And, and so I I write with that kind of uh, emotion. I'm a very emotional person. Yeah. <laughs> very emotional. Yeah, and 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 um, not to give anything away that that's not in the book, but I mean you you are quite candid about yourself as well. Um, mm-hmm. When you look back at say Psycho Nate or, or, or yeah. other yeah. iterations of, of of one's life, um, mm-hmm. what is that like? I mean, you, you do re- reread pieces again, so that you know. Yeah, it's hard because like um, I never thought like when Psycho Nate in the mid nineties existed, I I never thought that one day I'd be like. A, have a wife and kid and and be, you know, pitching media places where people I knew from that era work, you know. It's, it's, mm-hmm. So I have a stigma. I have a mental illness stigma um, that is, um, it's hard because I've, it's like there's some people from, from way back then who won't talk to me because of how I acted when I was 21. And, and that's hard. I mean, it, it's hard to... It's hard to feel like I, I survived. You know, I got better, and I, I did so much with my life. And I just feel that they're still ashamed of me. Or they they won't accept that I've changed. So that's really hard. And um, I can't dwell on it too long because I just I get depressed. But mm-hmm. it's um, it's very painful. It's a very painful uh, it's like to, to, for them to think that I've been in a hospital for twenty years is not true mm-hmm. uh, but even if it was true i mean i just it's so judgmental it's so um it, and i think that's a huge problem still with the world mental illness has a has a horrible reputation and a lot of people uh, lose family lose friends forever because they just uh, like they're afraid they're afraid of people who have um, struggled with depression or, or have anxiety so um, you know well an imperfect place. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. And um, but something you mentioned a moment ago that that I got throughout the book as I was reading it is, um, uh, as a young person, you you were so excited and so wanted uh, growing up in Central Canada to want to be mm-hmm. part of this the, the, the Toronto book scene even and and um, yeah, no, I was obsessed. I, I, I go to I go to readings and I go home and be like, oh my god, I met Tony Berger. Yeah. I talked to Derek McCormick. You know, um, I, I I got to go to Camilla Gibbs' uh, paperback release at Random House, and she gave me a glass of champagne. Like it was, I was a crazy fan because yeah. it was it was so exciting for me. And so, so how does how does how does the future look in terms of of um, not just the book industry, but but the the, the sort of communities that you you mentioned throughout Honorarium. Um, after COVID, I mean, wh- what do we get back to? What stays the same, say? Well, uh, I really think that the virtual launches are going to be a new component, like the like the dreaded book trailer of 15 mm. years ago. I still talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you can read the book to yeah. get my insight on that. I call it the the comb over of the publishing <laughs> industry, but. Um, Virtual launches will become part of a promotional package. It will just—that's what people are going to be doing, and then they will do their traveling uh, events too. But I think we know that we know how the technology works, so we're going to we're going to do it. I mean, we're gonna, it's going to be implemented, and it's going to become uh, um, an essential part of the book promotion world post-COVID. Um, 
and I think we're going to be choosing our our curation to be hopefully more exciting because I think that these Zoom meetings are really these Zoom meeting styled um, launches are, are, are it's hard. Like I was doing one recently, and I was like, I can't move around on stage. I can't do what I want to do. It's hard. So I think um, I think we're going to be very grateful when we can go back and hang out and and uh, spend time together. But I think it's going to be different. I think. It's going to have a whole new energy to it, and um, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it because I think that if we can overcome this, which I, I think we can, uh, that I think we're going to be very grateful for, for the spaces that we interact in, and I think we're going to be kinder. I hope that yeah. we will just be kinder. I think you can't, you can't go through something like this, and plus all the violence that is going on all over the world, without coming out of it just thinking like oh, I want to be a nicer person I want to have a, a better time I want I want things to be happier and, and nicer you know uh, and so I think also for honorarium uh, me just sort of also getting rid of a lot of baggage and, uh, and and trying to do something trying to clear space to do something new um, mm. down the road yeah. I don't know what that is but uh, uh, just something different yeah, and I guess uh, we're, we're writing, but something writing about something different. Sure, sure. Yeah, and and I guess the the because um, because it, 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 it is quite nostalgic even reading it uh, as you reference it in the book, hand selling of books. Um, how important that has been, mm. um, not just for yeah, for, exactly. For, you, you can't yeah. hand sell a book six feet apart. Yeah. Over well, I mean you can, but <laughs> it's a bit hard. Yeah, indeed. Um, I I enjoyed reading um, the, the pieces in honorarium a great deal. And um, I enjoyed our conversation today. I know we'll, we'll be talking again in, in, over the summer and into the fall. And, and uh, yeah. thank, thank you, not just for this chat, but, but everything that you do. Well, thank you, Joe. And uh, I, I appreciate what you do. <laughs> You're always on my, on my hit list, as you know. <laughs> well, I appreciate it because you've introduced me to a lot of authors, um, especially in that part of the world. And um, I've, 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 I can't tell you I mean, if I've, uh, how many con- great conversations I've had with, with people that you've um, um, been uh, pitching me. And, and I, I, you know, it, great to hear. It, it just makes everything just more, much more enjoyable. And you, one understands the country a little bit better, too, I think, when you read outside of, yeah. you know, the, this town where I am. The book is called Honorarium Essays 2001 to 2021. It's published by Palimpsest Press. Visit uh, morehype.com for uh, more information. That's M-O-O-R-E, hype.com. Nathaniel Moore, join me on the line from Fredericton in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plato.